Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. Last week, we looked at the purpose of signs, wonders, and miracles. So this week, we're going to look at five hallmarks of the supernatural church and its ministry. That's what I'd like to look at. And so if you think about the, the church in the first century, it had distinguishing traits and features. Why is the church in this century different to the church in the first century? Is it different? Should it be different? It should be the same. It should be the same. You know, the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts, as you know, is very about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and his works are mentioned 57 times in the book of Acts. So the message is clear. The early church was saturated in the power of the Holy Spirit. They knew nothing else. All they knew was how to flow with the Holy Spirit. All they knew was what to do when the Spirit moved them. All they knew, they, they knew how to respond to the Holy Spirit. And as we begin to respond and move with the Holy Spirit, we're going to see tremendous, tremendous things happening. Um, I was think, thinking about a guy that came here years ago called Ron Bailey. He was a musician who traveled with Brother Dale Gentry. And he's, he, he wrote a song called More of You, More of You, More of You. I am thirsty for more of you. Lord, your anointing is resting in this pr- place. Your spirit is flowing from the throne of grace. Make me new, make me complete till I'm out from these walls into the street. The Holy Spirit going to move us outside of walls in, into the street. So, and uh, Ron was an interesting guy. He came out of the hippie movement but he wrote some very anointed songs. And so the, the, the early church saturated with the Holy Spirit. Now I want to read this to you. So if you've got your Bibles today, e-Bibles count, although they're not my favorite. Go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 from verse 15. And I want to say that supernatural ministry according to the scripture here, can be your portion, or maybe it already is your portion, if you believe. Therein lies the the key word, believe. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons and they'll speak with new tongues and they'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it won't hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord was working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So, these signs will follow those who believe. It's not a belief that comes from yourself. You can't manufacture this kind of belief. It's nothing that you can make. It's nothing you can produce. 
It is the kind of belief that God births in you. It's a completely new thing. It's like, how have I never known this kind of steadfast trust and faith and belief? It's because it comes from, it's divine. And the, the word calls it the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith. And the God kind of faith gives way to signs and wonders. So if, you're, if we're sitting in this place today and we think, well, this is what I do, but the preachers do their thing, we're all preachers. I want, to, I want to say that we are all proclaimers. We should be good with that term, the proclaimers. We should be good with that. We are all proclaimers. We're all preachers. And the, the, the Lord always confirms his word through signs which follow. Amen. God will only confirm his word, all right, the gospel. He'll only confirm his word with signs following not my word, not my opinion, not your opinion, not your degree in psychology or, 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 or psychiatry. He will only confirm his word. Amen? You can be a theologian with a degree on the wall. God will only confirm his word with signs following. He will not confirm some crazy doctrine He'll not confirm anything other than his word. Do you know, his word is so sure. It's never been changed. When I, if I give books to my pupils, I'll see there, look in the front cover, revised 2010, revised 2015, revised 2018. The Bible, not revised. It's always, uh, there's different translations, but his word is his word. Interestingly, we were also ch chatting about the revised King James Version, because if you don't like ye oldie, thee thou English, then read, read a Bible that fits, that, that you connect with. Amen. Amen? So, all of these other things will not set the captives free. Only God's Word. Only the power of His Spirit will set the captives free. And if we compromise His Word, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no supernatural. So if we compromise God's word, we grieve the Holy Spirit and we nullify the anointing that is on God's word. Amen. And so I want to, you guys all know this because I know you, 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 you'll have heard if, uh, through your own Bible study and, and just what, growing up in the Lord, how often do we hear of Paul's ministry? Peter's ministry, definitely Christ's ministry. They were all supernatural in character and supernatural in nature. I, I, can you imagine being around when those guys were around? It would, you know. And the thing is, we say, can you imagine? Well, we must imagine that that is going to happen. Yes. We must see these things happening. We must see, we must see it. We must um, imagine that that's why God gave us an imagination, I believe, to see, to see things in that we need to achieve for his kingdom. Otherwise, we're like, well, we're aimless. So he gives us vision. Jesus' ministry, supernatural. Healing a broken heart is not something I think I could do, but he could do it supernaturally. I could do it with Christ working in me. But healing a broken heart's not an easy thing. 
preaching good news to the poor. Deliverance to the captives, liberty to the oppressed. So the hallmark of Jesus' ministry you see so many times is the oppressed were set free. When Jesus was around, the oppressed were freed. That was a hallmark of his ministry. Paul's ministry, Paul's ministry demonstrated the power of Jesus to the extent that it broke people's focus off of the world around them. And it brought their focus to, onto Christ. Yeah? The power in the name of Jesus. So what were the hallmarks of Paul's ministry? The Bible says that um, he produced unusual miracles. Unusual miracles. Miracles that we would, like, we would be like, how does that work? So even aprons and hankies would go from his person and be taken to someone and when they received that apron or handkerchief, they would receive their healing. It would probably have gone with a message. This is from Paul. When you receive it, you receive the anointing for your healing to be healed. Amen? So, Paul wasn't even there. The touch point was the hanky, or whatever the case may be. It's like um, Barbara will know the story of Violet Armour's daughter, in the other side of the Atlantic, in the early days of the church, you were praying for Violet's daughter in the church that morning. And uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, but at the same time difference in the United States, she sat up in her bed and she felt that she had been healed. Am I right, Barbara? It was, yeah. Uh, so there was, this person wasn't even in the country. Amen. So, People were being healed. Supernatural deliverance from evil spirits was taking place. This was the hallmark of Paul's ministry. Peter's ministry, Ananias' healing, just quickly in Acts 9.34. Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place. Verse 33, he met a man named Aeneas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. So Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you, not I heal you. Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Roll up your sleeping, sleeping bag or your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. So one of the hallmarks of Peter's ministry, boldness. Boldness. Get up. How is, how, I mean, I think, I, I know that at times I'd be like, oh, I don't know, should I? I'm really putting myself on the line here. What if I say get up and he doesn't get up? <laughs> <laughs> Peter, get up. You, you, you have been healed. Healed instantly. And when they saw Aeneas walking around, they turned to the Lord. The supernatural healing broke people's focus off of other things and turned their focus onto Jesus. Peter in Acts 5.15, people would bring the folk that were sick and unwell and put them in the streets hoping that Peter would walk past them and a shadow would fall on them and they'd be delivered. Amen. So you've got Peter, Paul, Jesus, and then you have the New Testament church, the disciples. 
They also had a supernatural ministry because in Matthew 10, 1, it says, Jesus gave them power and authority over unclean spirits and healing of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. Jesus Christ never left one thing out. Jesus just said, go and heal all. You'll be able to heal all things. Yeah, amen. Amen, brother. Yeah. All of the gifts of the Spirit, all of them were active in the lives of the disciples. And I'd like to encourage you all this morning to consider this. God's plan for your life extends beyond your born-again experience, way beyond it. It goes further than your first encounter with Jesus. And how, do you remember your first encounter with Jesus? I remember many of you's first encounter. It was emotional. It was, you, you just, you could just see your life being turned inside out. It was tremendous. It's so good to see people getting born again. I could just cry standing here because it's just great. It's great. It's great. For many of us, the first days and weeks and months after being born again was like putting a, dry, a match to dry newspaper. Have you ever put a match to dry newspaper? It, it just like goes woof. And then, oh, 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 put it out and you blow on it. And it won't go out. It just crinkles that red hot way around the edges and it, it just won't go out. Even if it's, it just seems to smolder and then the slightest breath fans it into flame. Again, I was going to bring props this morning, but I thought against it. <laughs> Amen. So there's, you know, that, that was like our first love, our first moments, our first encounters with Jesus Christ. And then, um, and then time, the passage of time c- comes. But I want to, to say that there's a supernatural, belief, a supernatural ministry for all of you here today. All of you. And I want to read, a, I've come across a, 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 a wonderful book in my dad's library by a man called Eric Sauer. The book is called The Triumph of the Crucified. And I want to just, I might just kind of, I've paraphrased it, but there's more opportunity today than ever before for you to have supernatural ministry. There are more sick people. There are more demon-oppressed people. There are more mental, mental uh, conditions. There are, there's more poor mental health. There is, there is more oppression. Amen. There's more false doctrine. There's more false prophet. There's more societal problems. There's more broken relationships. There's more severed relationships between son and father, daughter and mother. There's more of all of that. There's more occultism and there's more Satanism. So there's more opportunity for the supernatural to work. There is also more unbelief. There is more unbelief. And the magnitude of the state of unbelief, all right? Now, what is unbelief? I'll tell you what I believe it to be, anti-Christian feelings, anti-God. I don't believe all that stuff. I don't believe all that nonsense, whatever people are going to say about it. That is a major indicator. The state of belief in society is a major indicator of the coming kingdom of God when Jesus is going to come back again. Amen? Because the kingdom of God is going to return after the world collapses. Catastrophe. Lawlessness will be the order of the day. We, we, we just, we, um, 
we were in the vicinity of a lawless act in our main street in Sea Mill the other day. A police chase. Luckily, no one was killed. Lawlessness will be the order of the day. The Bible says that the love of many will grow cold. And the other thing it says is when Jesus comes back again, according to Luke 18.8, he will find little faith. It says there in, in, in that verse, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? I'm believing that the church of, the church of Jesus Christ in Scotland will be a bastion of faith again. Yes, we need to pray for our leaders and for our government, we need people of faith and boldness and uh, supernatural promotion through all of that mire of stuff there. So I, I, my personal belief is that the world will not be one in its entirety for Christ. The Bible actually prophesies that. But there will be enmity between the world and the church. And the, the world will want to expel the church. Christians will suffer and be put to death because of their stand for Jesus Christ. And it's not because the world's not Christian enough that Christ hasn't come back yet. But it's because the world is not unbelieving enough yet. But unbelief is going up. More people believing in other things. So we have a job to do. Amen. 1 Peter 4, verse 7. The end of the world. This is not doom and gloom, by the way. You guys are going to leave here happy today. Ah, there's a good ending to this. <laughs> the end of the world is coming soon. So be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show a deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you, from Eleanor here all the way to Linda, each, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. To serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Show of hands. <laughs> Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping other people? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Yes. 2 Timothy 1, Paul writing to Timothy as a, like a son. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gifts that God has put in you through the laying on of my hands. Here we see this anointing, the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. So don't be ashamed don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us. Notice there, it does not just say who has saved us. It says he saved us and 
he called us, eh? He called us to, with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time even began. It's now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death, thank God, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. When you are saved, you are also called. When you receive this, when you say, I, I'll accept that, you will find your place in the church. You will know your, if you don't know what your purpose is, perhaps you need to understand that you're not only saved, you're saved and called. Saved us. Here's what, we te- what I've done. The Bible includes us, but we want to exclude ourselves. So that verse includes me, but maybe I want to exclude myself from being the called. But we're all called. It's clear. We're saved and called. We exclude ourselves. We've been called with a holy calling. It's an aw- awesome calling. Aw- awesome It's actually awful, not in the negative sense, but A-W-E. It's an awful thing to be called by a holy calling. And when you believe the call and you respect the call and you don't resist the call, the supernatural will begin to take place in in your life and your ministry. Amen? But when we disrespect it, when we devalue it, we become like Esau. We must, we, must, we must honor. We must honor the call. And I must honor the call in your life. We recognize that we all flow together as the body of Christ. Amen. You know, one of my most favorite books ever is the, is the, the biography of David Livingston. That is amazing. Amazing story. He had a call to go to Africa and do... Many things, open routes for um, commerce and find the source of the Nile and, and also. But when he came across the slave trade, it changed his life. Now, David Livingston respected the call. David Livingston had a brother. His legacy is one sentence long. He was the brother of David Livingston. But David Livingston, people are still writing books and telling stories about his life. When we respect the call, we leave a legacy. We will leave a legacy. Amen. God has a place for you. And it's not according to our works. It's according to his purpose. It's according to his, um, his plan. And I have to tell you, and I think some people here know this, my feelings about being a pastor were completely opposite to God's intentions for me. Like, completely, totally opposite. But he doesn't call us according to your background or your skills or your qualification. He calls you according to his purpose, which was in his mind before you were born. So if he sees you preaching in Sweden South Africa, Australia, South America, that's what he had purposed for you before the beginning of time, before you were even born, eh? Yeah, yeah. But oh, hang on, I'm, a, I'm an aircraft mechanic. 
I'm not going anywhere because this, this is what I do and this is where I'm staying. He didn't call you. Yeah, you're great. You've got skills. <laughs> skills are transferable. Put the, put the calling of God as your first priority in your life. And when you do that, you're called and his grace is on you to go with you. His grace, wherever you go, his grace will go with you. His angels will move with you. His angels will move with you. It's, it, you know, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, may, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen because he who calls you is faithful. So God's the one that's done the calling and he's, he's ever faithful. He's ever faithful. Amen. So we are in a season right now in the church where we've, we've, we have um, begun a work of, of ministry on the other side of town. We have visions. We have, we have um, desires for the future. But we have to work in the season. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Things will happen in seasons. We must work in season. We don't do winter work in the summer. We don't do autumn work in the spring. We do work in the season. We must work according to the seasons that God ordains. And we're clearly in a season in the church right now that God has ordained. We must work that season. Don't try and do unseasonal work in a different season. Don't question why are we doing the certain thing at a certain time. It's not ours to know the season. It's ours to move with the seasons. God has the seasons under his control. It's our job to move with the Holy Spirit in that season. Um, and that's what the word says because the, the, they were asking him, you know, what, what, are, what are we doing and what is the time? Jesus, it's not, it's not for you to know the seasons. It's for you to flow. It's for you to move with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So here's, here's, here's five hallmarks of supernatural ministry that I believe all of you can possess. Number one, I'll go through these quickly. Being full of, controlled by, and totally dependent on the Holy Spirit. You will have an anointing. No anointing equals no results. If there's, you know, that's how that, we all have to reflect on that. Because there are times when we all, we all operate out of our natural abilities, the flesh, carnally. We, but we need the anointing. Amen? They stayed, these, they, the early church stayed full. They had one baptism, but daily fill-ups. Baptized once, but always being filled up. I'm filling you up, I'm filling you up with my Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. They had a real experience with the Holy Spirit of God, and they were just open and yielded channels. Um, how, many of you, how many of us have resisted the Holy Spirit? Um, I've got both hands up. Resisted the Holy Spirit, have not allowed Him to use me as a free-flowing channel. 
Amen? But they were completely controlled by, and, and some people say, well, you guys are all nuts, you Christians, because you're just like, you're puppets. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm under the control of the Holy Spirit. I want, to be, I want to be able to be moved and guided and directed. Amen? God still gave us a will and a choice and the power of choice and all of that, okay? And uh, there's some, some verses here. I'll just read, read the key one to you. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues. When they prayed together, the place where they were together was shaken and they were all filled. All the churches in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. They walked in the fear of the Lord and they were, had the comfort of the Holy Spirit and they were multiplied. Amen? Number two, the early church had a strong prayer life, a hallmark of the early church, this strong prayer life. Foundation of everything, prayer. Before they did anything, they fasted and they prayed. Acts 2.42 talks about being steadfast. Consistency is the key. Being consistent. My brothers and sisters, being consistent being steadfast, being steadfast, unchanging. Amen. They stayed yielded. They stayed humble. They stayed broken through times of prayer. They would repent. They would make things right. They would pray together. They would separate themselves to prayer so that they wouldn't be impotent. They had the power because there was no impotence because prayer produces power. Prayer produces intimacy, not only with the Lord, but with those whom with you pray. Amen. They all continued with one accord in prayer. That's a great picture. One accord. No disunity, no disagreement. Like, Brother, don't like you, the way you're praying this morning. You know, this is how it's, they were all in one accord and they moved together. I don't know if a prayer meeting has ever ended up in a Rami, but um, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, daily prayer. Prayer habits form a habit. We'll give ourselves continue, continually to prayer and the ministry of the words. They appointed deacons and deaconesses so that they could go and pray because they knew they were going on mission. Amen. Number three, the early church were bonded together by love and unity, a hallmark. Where there's no love and unity, the supernatural can't flow because everything worketh by love. Amen. It's the true mark of a new covenant believer is the way you love your brother sitting next to you, your sister sitting behind you. It's a true, true mark is how you love one another. All right? Laying down, deferring to one, someone else. We, had this, we used to say this in praise and worship team, I exist to make you successful. Whatever I do on this platform is to make you good at the best at what you do. I'm not here to, do, to be the one-man show. I just want to do, and if we all have that attitude in church life, we all are promoting one another. 
encouraging one another, stirring one another up, laying aside our differences, stopping the criticism and the slander, the gossip which gives rise to strife. And believe it or not, can we stop competing with each other? Competitiveness, a competitive spirit. Someone accused me of that recently with ping pong, <laughs> table tennis. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> comp, comp, that competitive spirit comes up because the love of God releases the power of God and the supernatural. Number four, the early church, they were, they were just bold. They were just bold. They were just, do you know what? This is how I feel. The Holy, uh, it's a well, welling up inside of me, living waters, bold, just like, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to preach the uncompromising word of God. I'm going to use the name of Jesus boldly. I'm going to exercise my authority in Christ because he's given me authority. Why would I not use it? I'm going to boldly lay hands on the sick and cast out demons, devils, or unclean spirits. I'm going to boldly stand against the spirit of religion. Scotland is bad for that. A religious spirit. Boldness is the key to supernatural ministry, not timidity. Boldness. I believe that, that, that the Lord can, that the Holy Spirit will come over you and you'll be like a, you'll be like a lion. It's like, it's like, the, it's like the, the kitty in the lion mirror image. But the boldness of a lion, he's the king of the jungle. Or he's the king of the bushveld, I'd rather say. You don't find lions in jungles. Why? Where did that come from? Lions from Africa, they're from the bushveld. Oh, my. So we have to have the same spirit of boldness and might today. Acts 4.13, nearly finished. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that, hey, these guys are just ordinary men. Ordinary, ordinary men just like me and you just like me and you, no special training in the scriptures, didn't go to Bible school for four years to seminary, didn't do any of that, and they'd recognize them as, ah, these men, they've been with Jesus. They're amazed. Boldness is a tangible force that can be seen. It can be felt. You know, have you ever tried this in a situation, you let out the roar, you, you, just, you just be bold and you do what you need to do and it sends a shiver down your own spine and you're like, where did that come from? Where did that shout come from? Where did that stop? Where did that come from? Where did that enough come from? You can say that to the spirits that are oppressing your life, that are tormenting you. You can say boldly, and if you want to do, grab a pillow and put it over your face because you've got a house full of family that, that or don't, don't stifle it just do it yes. and I believe that it, it's you know the, here's the thing Satan doesn't respond to how loud you are he responds to your authority quiet authority now boldness sometimes sometimes it's more for the people around us that we that we're bold because I stiffen your spine when I stand up I'll give you courage. You'll draw courage from me when I'm, when I'm brave. But Satan, he doesn't need to be screamed at. 
Because authority doesn't matter how it's spoken. The name of Jesus can be whispered. We, sing, we used to sing a song, whisper his name, Jesus, and he will run to you. And so we just have to use the name of Jesus and know the authority that it carries. Amen. You'll become bolder and bolder as you spend more time with the Lord, more time in the Word, more time in prayer. Finally, the early church ministered supernaturally to the people. Hallmark of the early church, their ministry was supernatural to the ordinary people of the time. Daniel 11.32, although this is in the New Testament, but listen to the Old Testament, listen to this. With smooth words, this is from the Amplified Version, with smooth words of flattery and praise, he will turn godlessness those who are willing to disregard the Mosaic Covenant. But the people who are spiritually mature and know their God will display strength and take action to resist. Another translation says, those that know their God will be strong and do great exploits. So you have a, you have a ministry waiting for you when you step out of this door today. And it doesn't matter if you are um, just at the age of understanding, whatever that age is, it could be eight, nine, 10 years old. You could be 15 or 16 years old, or you could be 80 odd something, whatever, an octogenarian. And you can have, you're, you're, I know many of you are already on your ministry path. And your path, your ministry path is taking you in your local towns and villages. It's taking you to your neighbors. It's taking you to the people that are all around you. But you've been saved and called, not just saved. Not just saved to spectate on the kingdom of God, but called, called. And to see the results of the early church, we need to be a church that's bold. And, con and I say contentious, not in a negative way, but we need to contend for the supernatural because the last thing that the devil wants to see in Kilwinning in the three towns in Ayrshire is supernatural signs and wonders. He doesn't want to see that happening here. He doesn't want to see the drug addict being set free and walking away from that forever. And, and, and dare I say it, not having to go to recovery meetings for 10 years because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. You're free indeed. That was a bit bold. But I actually do feel that. I'm thankful for the work that people do. You know... A few years ago in lockdown, um, I had the opportunity to run a mental health and well-being uh, course in Princess Street in Ardrossan, and it was a, a really eye-opening experience. And I'm thankful for all the people that we've sent. We've, they've been on suicide awareness courses, mental health courses. We need to know this stuff. But we need to go in there knowing that when we go in there, we have a different angle we don't come from psychology or, 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 or psychiatry. We come from, we are, we are Jesus people. And we come with the, with the name of Jesus. And if we just be bold and say, can I, can I pray? Convicting myself standing here right now. Because how many opportunities do we let slide past us every day? Be prepared to step out. Be dissatisfied with where you are. 
oh, um, I don't feel this, I, I feel like giving up. Well, if you're, it's because you're dissatisfied, because you know the potential that's in you. God knows it, and he's, and he's reminding you of it every morning. Young man, you have the greatest potential. You're at the prime of your life now. Sir, give me your life, and I will take you on the greatest adventure you've ever known. Oh, the, but I'm going to be afraid and scared, and it's going to be scary. Oh, okay, but I'm with you. I'm with you. Breaking into new spiritual territory is never easy. It never is. But if, you want, if we want to go to new levels of authority, we have to be persistent, we have to pursue it, and we have to press in every day. Amen. Final verse, Acts chapter, seven, uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. The word of God spread. I had to have someone spread in it. The numbers of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And the large number of priests too. I thought these guys would be obedient to the faith. No, they became obedient to the faith. There is a way that religion takes you the opposite way from Christ. Have Christ. Just have, let's just have Christ, him alone. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, he was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Amen. So I am believing that as we pray today, as we pray, as we close off this service in, in a little while, that this word is just going to not let you go. It's not going to let your spirit go for the rest of this week. It's just going to keep on, it's just going to keep on nagging. It's nothing to do with me. It's to do with whatever has come out of this book, the book of Acts. Nothing to do. It's to do with the Holy Spirit and what he has now begun. Something has jump-started in your life today, in your heart. And don't worry if you feel like, a, oh, I'm feeling like a, a pressure. It's, don't, don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of, of, of the, the Holy Spirit coming upon you with the convicting power that he does, which makes us feel uncomfortable, makes us feel uncomfortable. If we were always comfortable, we would never achieve anything. I'd, I'd, I'd be building motorbikes in my shed until Jesus comes back, because I love to do that, but I'm blessed to be able to do that, but I must first, someone said this, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all other things will be added unto you. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com, and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.